0: The following program is produced and sponsored by Cancer Treatment Centers of America. The information discussed during this program is not medical advice. Be sure to talk to your medical doctor for information and advice relating to your health. Welcome to Health, Hope, and Inspiration with Reverend Percy McRae, Director of Faith Based Programs at Cancer Treatment Centers of America. I'm Wayne Shepherd, and Percy, it's great to be back with you again this week. It is
1: good to be back with you as well, my friend. We are going to talk about children whose parents have cancer. It's an important subject. One of the areas that I think is forgotten or lost in the conversation of cancer support is what happens to the children whose parents are struggling through a battle of cancer.
0: Yeah, we've talked about the cancer journey in patients. We've talked about caregivers. Uh, Let's talk about children today.
1: Again, I want to preface my comments by saying cancer is a community and a family disease. It just does not impact the person who has cancer, but all individuals surrounding that individual, in this case, we're going to talk about their children, their kids. And what we know and what we understand now is that many children are struggling through a lot of mental so an emotional Uh, Elements of watching or seeing their loved one, their parents, go through a battle and a treatment process of being treated for cancer.
0: Do you see both extremes? Do you see children who don't want to talk about it and children who want to talk all the time about it?
1: It is true. And we're going to hear some of that information get spelled out for us by our our subject matter expert today. But there are different reactions and responses depending on the personality uh, of the child at the end of the day. So some are more chatty about it and some do not want to talk about it at all. So we need to understand the the nuances and the differences.
0: You want to take us to the book of Matthew in the Bible to start here today. Yeah,
1: our, our spiritual nugget for today is perfect for what we're going to discuss. Matthew, the 19th chapter with verse 14 tells us, but Jesus said, suffer little children and forbid them not to come unto me for of such is the kingdom of God. This scripture helps us to understand the importance that Jesus himself placed upon ministry to children and their value. And we need to understand that same school of thought within the context of parents who are struggling with a cancer diagnosis.
0: I'm sure that someone who's going through a cancer journey is so concerned for their family and loved ones, children have a special concern.
1: They do. And again, not a lot of answers, I think, are have been given and made available. And we want to decompress some of that conversation today to give people some good insight on what and how to respond and react with their children as they're working through a process of cancer.
0: We will be talking with a child life specialist today. Her name is Jennifer Rogers, and that's coming up in just a moment on this week's edition of health hope and inspiration we have a website and by the way if you ever miss a program from week to week you can always go online and listen to these broadcasts as well with percy McCrae. the website is health hope and inspiration.com i'll give that again it's health hope and inspiration.com and we invite you to join us there anytime 24 7 online coming up we'll talk with our guests here on health hope and inspiration
2: If you or someone you love is fighting cancer, consider Cancer Treatment Centers of America. We treat the whole person, body, mind, and spirit. Our hospitals in Atlanta, Chicago, Philadelphia, Phoenix, and Tulsa take an integrative approach to cancer care. We use conventional medical treatments to attack the disease. Evidence-based therapies like nutrition, naturopathic medicine, and pastoral care to maintain strength and quality of life treatments are tailored for each patient's specific needs. Visit healthhopeandinspiration.com to view our cancer-related resources or to contact our oncology information specialists about questions you may have about your treatment options. Working together under one roof, our cancer experts use leading-edge technologies to deliver precision medicine, personalized care, and spiritual support. Learn more at healthhopeandinspiration.com. Cancer Treatment Centers of America care that never quits.
0: So glad you're listening today. Remember, no case is typical. You should not expect to experience these same results. Here again is our host, Reverend Percy McRae.
1: With me today is Jennifer Rogers, who is a child life specialist. Welcome to the show. Uh, Jennifer, how are you? Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. Well, it's good to have you. Listen, explain to us what your role as a child life specialist is what is that? Well, actually,
3: child life you typically see in pediatric settings and it's a profession that has the expertise in child development and how it relates to hospitalization and illness. So my role within an adult facility is actually to help people who are going through cancer treatment themselves as a parent help them help their children from a developmental perspective to kind of navigate what the differences are between is this typical development or is this my child having a hard time coping with what's going on?
1: So with that, then, that transitions us to this question. Why is supporting children whose parents have cancer important?
3: You know, it's very important because when a patient is facing their own treatment process, if they feel like there's additional stress on their family in addition to the diagnosis, it really makes it harder for them to even cope. And so what we want to do is we want to look at the family dynamic as a whole to be able to fill in those gaps for them, reassure them that their parenting is still going to be effective during this time, and empowering them to be able to feel like they can do it.
1: Well, of course, we realize and understand that cancer is not just an individual disease. Quite frankly, it's a family disease. It's a community disease, and families are impacted, and I would imagine children are impacted. What have you seen in terms of some direct impact upon children whose parents have cancer?
3: Well, oftentimes the impact you see is based on uh, their temperament, their coping, and their age. So a component of that is their developmental level and understanding. Another component is how do they typically handle stress? If I were to ask a parent, if I lived in your house, how would I know when your child is stressed out? Mm. You know, do they slam doors? Do they go off into the room by themselves? Are they grumpy? Are they quiet? What we can do is help identify that those behavior changes are going to come out. Out under stress with cancer, and sometimes what we do is we help parents just to navigate how to recognize those same symptoms uh, so that they can use the same coping skills that might have worked before or reinforce additional ones to help them. But the biggest thing that we see on all age groups is that kids' uh, behavior and um, how they interact with others really can become in- impacted. They act out more at school. They act out more at home. They withdraw more at school or at home. It really depends on the child.
1: Well, that, that certainly makes sense. And in and, and looking at that, do you think that individuals, adults, are intimidated or fearful in approaching children whose parents have cancer?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I had a parent of six children the other day tell me, you know, I've been a parent of six kids, but I've never been a parent with cancer. Good point. And I, I thought that was an interesting perspective because for me, there really is no difference. Um, but we sometimes tend to separate it and compartmentalize it because we think it's different. Um, but it's really not. Uh, it's really if we can help support families in understanding that what they use in their relationship to develop it and remain close prior to the cancer diagnosis is actually what's going to help them through the cancer diagnosis.
1: Well, interestingly enough, in my experience, not that I have, I know everything and I've seen everything, I've certainly have had pastors and ministers and people part of the faith community that we're speaking to today express uh, interest in wanting to hear more information about how to adequately support children Whose parents have cancer. So, we're really talking about something that I don't think is just relegated to the faith community, but Mm -hmm. as a whole, it's an important topic that maybe we're not having enough discussion about. Why do you think that that occurs?
3: Well, I think it's interesting because years ago when children were brought into a hospital setting, uh, the logic was we don't tell the children anything because it will just create more anxiety for them. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now what we see in kind of our culture is we overshare and we tell too much to the kids about what's going on. And really the, the best approach is somewhere in between because we wanna balance what they can understand developmentally with truth, because kids are perceptive and they're aware that something's going on in the house And while as a parent, we always want to protect our kids and we don't want to create more anxiety for them, it actually increases their anxiety when they know something is going on and their parents aren't telling them. Uh And so helping folks figure out what that looks like somewhere in between, you know, I I don't advocate for lying to children ever, but I certainly don't tell them all of the gory details either. And so finding somewhere in that middle ground is really best for kids.
1: Now, Jennifer, and you've mentioned it twice, and I want to now specifically go to it, and I'm glad that you brought that up, was about the developmental stages of children and their comprehension level and how they uh, form thoughts and ideas. Let's talk a little bit about the different stages of children's development and comprehension levels. Give us a, a concise sense of what that is and how that works.
3: Sure. So preschoolers, which is typically three- to five-year-olds, they really have a magical view of of illness that intertwines with reality. And so a lot of times what folks say is their parent is sick, um, which is okay, but to be honest, I would rather define it a little further and say a different kind of sick. And I know that doesn't sound like too much of a difference, but when we just say sick, preschoolers think of a cold, and they think you need pink medicine to get better. And what they'll do is they'll keep asking, well, are you better? Are you better? Are you better? And the parent, it creates anxiety for the parent because they think, well, I don't know how to answer him. He keeps asking me if I'm better. Well, that's because we told him that you were sick like a cold. If we approach it differently with preschoolers and say, it's a different kind of sick, you can still love on me and and hug me and kiss me and you're not going to get this different kind of sick, Mm -hmm. Um, then they have a different understanding of what it is and an internal body process and that it's not contagious. That's a big one that kids think all the way up to about age seven is that it could be contagious to them. And especially in our culture where we teach kids, you know, hand sanitizer, and if you sneeze, sneeze into your arm, you know, that's definitely um, a concern for them. As we look at school-age kids, that's about six to 11-year-olds, if I were to take an age group and say, what age group would you think would cope most effectively with this type of um, stress, it would be the school-age child. And that's because they're really concrete in what they understand. We can tell them, this is what's going on in this part of the body, and this is what the medication is going to do, and this is how I'm going to feel afterwards, and then this is how it's going to impact your life. They pretty much go with the flow. And and we think, oh gosh, that age group is the one that would be the most at risk, uh-huh. but they're really not because they believe everything we say, which is wonderful. Okay. As we move into the adolescent years, um, they get more ability to understand abstract concepts. So with the adolescent, we might tell them the same things that we've just described to the school-age child, Mm -hmm. but the adolescent is going to think, hmm, I think I could do a little research on my own on the internet, or I think I'm going to listen to what my peers say about what cancer has been like in their family. And then what happens is, is they don't tend to come back to the parent to ask further questions because they want to protect the parent. They recognize the parent is stressed out already, Mm -hmm. and they don't want to ask more questions to create more stress. Or the other piece of it is they don't want to ask questions because maybe they don't want to hear the answer. Uh They may think that something more severe is going on, and so they're afraid to ask because they're afraid of what the parent is going to say. So, actually, our adolescents, 16 to 20-year-olds, are probably our most at risk for having difficulty coping, especially adolescent girls, um, when they have a mother going through treatment. And that's because their role might change. Maybe they have to take on more caregiving responsibility of the younger children. Maybe they put off going to college for a year or two because they need to come home and help with finances and have a job to support the family. So it creates role changes, too, that adds another dimension besides just a parent being ill.
1: And, again, you know that it makes so much sense. And, again, the big takeaway with regard to that is that the different age groups matter in terms of how how they should be approached and, and what manner in which they mentally and emotionally respond and and I'm not sure if many people uh, understand that or and are aware of that. That That's excellent. Would you recommend or are there any uh, resources available that we could possibly share with people that they could read that may help them to dig into a little more of that detail or is there just a vo- too much massive volume of information that they'd have to dig through?
3: Well, I think there's a lot of information out there. Um, I think there's a lot of great resources. Uh, one of the ones that I really like for preschoolers is called the Invisible String. Mm-hmm. And that one is by Patrice Karst, and that is a great way to talk to preschoolers about no matter where I go and no matter what's happening, there's an invisible string of love that connects us. Okay. And that's a great visual for preschoolers when a parent may need to be away for treatment or when they have to travel or they're hospitalized. It's a way for a preschooler to have something more tangible to think about is even though you may not see me, we are still connected with this special love.
1: Okay, great.
3: There's another one called uh, Nowhere Hair by Sue Glader. And that's another great one for preschoolers about hair loss. Uh Uh, Hair loss can be a real confusing thing for preschoolers and school-age children because they don't understand why would your hair just fall out. And when I talk with families, the way I describe it is that our whole body is made up of healthy cells. And Sometimes for reasons we don't know why, it's not because anybody did anything wrong, sometimes we get unhealthy cells that stick together in one spot and make it hard for our body to do its job. So what the medicine is doing is is making those cells get smaller or we're using surgery to take them out. And the medicine that helps get rid of those cells or make them smaller gets confused and it thinks that the good cells that are holding in my hair mm-hmm. are bad guys. Okay. And so it gets rid of those and my hair falls out. But when I stop taking this medicine, then my good cells will grow back and my hair will grow back.
1: Last question with the little bit of time that we have left is, how can people help children of friends who have cancer? How can we best support them?
3: You know, I think the best thing we can do is two different things. We can reassure parents that they know their child the best and everyone's going to have input on your child's crying too much or your child isn't helping enough and the bottom line is encourage parents to trust their gut and know their kids um, that they will know how best to support them and encourage them through that. The other part is being present sometimes there just isn't an answer for how things are going and there isn't a way to just make everything better sometimes just being present and having an activity that they can do together that's a little bit different than what they used to do so maybe they used to run around outside but now they can come in and do a movie together. Or I spoke with a teen yesterday and uh, her mom is unable to go outside to watch her sports events anymore. And so we talked about how mom is a great cook and she's never taught the 19 year old daughter how to cook. Hmm. Why not let that be something they can do together this summer that would still build relationship and time together, but it wouldn't tax the parent who's going through treatment.
1: That That is great information. Jennifer Rogers Child Life Specialist and why it is important to support children whose parents have cancer. Thank you for your commitment and your work. God bless you, my dear. Thank you.
0: Percy, what a great conversation to have with Jennifer here today. I learned a lot.
1: Well, Jennifer is inspirational and educational all at the same time. I've sat and spent many uh, hours with her trying to understand, again, better this subject. And uh, I was thrilled to have her on the show to really give us insight, I think, to a subject matter that many people probably have a lot of questions about.
0: She mentioned some specific resources. Can we put those on our website?
1: We absolutely can. We'll make those available to those of you who are listening. And um, you can go to healthhopeandinspiration.com, and we'll have those resources listed right out where you can just uh, click on and, and have access to them immediately.
0: Well, there's more coming up today, but that website is healthhopeandinspiration.com. And we will be back with more of today's program.
2: If you or someone you love is fighting cancer, consider Cancer Treatment Centers of America. We treat the whole person, body, mind, and spirit. Our hospitals in Atlanta, Chicago, Philadelphia, Phoenix, and Tulsa take an integrative approach to cancer care. We use conventional medical treatments to attack the disease. Evidence-based therapies like nutrition, naturopathic medicine, and pastoral care to maintain strength and quality of life. Treatments are tailored for each patient's specific needs. Visit healthhopeandinspiration.com to view our cancer-related resources or to contact our oncology information specialists about questions you may have about your treatment options. Working together under one roof, our cancer experts use leading-edge technologies to deliver precision medicine, personalized care, and spiritual support. Learn more at healthhopeandinspiration.com. Cancer Treatment Centers of America care that never quits.
0: As you think about what you've heard on Health, Hope, and Inspiration, remember, no case is typical. You should not expect to experience these same results. Percy McCray is here as our host. I'm Wayne Shepard, and we heard that interview with Jennifer Rogers. I'm so grateful that we have someone like Jennifer, a child life specialist at work. I mean, it's great.
1: It is. It's fantastic. And again, in the day and age that we live in, We are now more aware of the fact that there are needs with our children on so many different levels, and it would only make sense that that would be true with regard to dealing with sickness and disease of a family member.
0: Yeah, I was thinking back to our own family when my wife went through a serious health crisis, very serious, and our children were young at that time, I think about five and eight, something like that, and I remember how differently they each reacted. Mm. One didn't want to talk at all, the other had all kinds of questions, Sure. and I think that has to be fairly typical of children.
1: Well, again, you know, we should think about our children as as small, unique Human beings, individuals, they're very different. They have different personalities. They're wired very differently. And so it would only stand to reason that they would probably react very differently under the crisis. Of a healthcare scare of a family member as well. And we need to be equipped to understand the differences. Mm-hmm.
0: I thought the issue that uh, you brought up with Jennifer about the balance of information, you know, what to say, and what not to say, is so critical.
1: Well, again, and the point that she made very clear is in some cases, we can tend to, to give a child too much information. Mm-hmm. Uh, we grew up in a day and age for many of us, you and I are probably of a different generation, where we didn't give enough information to our kids about certain things. And then we now live in a, a current generation, a day and age, where we 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 tend to give our children probably too much information. So finding a balance between the two that will be helpful to the child in ways that they can process and understand.
0: Yeah, especially for teenagers. They know they can go to the Internet and search. So we've got to make sure that we're giving them the right answers ourselves.
1: And also, Jennifer made, I thought, a very uh, astute point that when we talk about adolescents, you know, also their social uh, group and friends are also part of their information network. So they go out and get information in some cases that is erroneous or may be unique to that particular person's experience but not to their particular experience. So we have to be mindful of of input of information that may be feeding into our kids' thoughts as well as we help them to work through uh, all sorts of things that they're trying to process.
0: We've talked about the fact that cancer is a family disease, and I know parents want to do the best possible job, but they're not at the top of their game when they're sick.
1: Well, they're not feeling well. They're not looking well. And again, Jennifer made the point that in many cases, because of the added stress of being overly concerned about their children, then they're not necessarily even coping well with their cancer. So it has a negative effect upon them because of their stress and their anxiety about their children that then also is complicating potentially their own process of health and wellness and recovery. Mm -hmm. So it's a a vicious cycle when you really sit and look at it from that perspective. Yeah, don't you think
0: we have to be careful when we talk to our friends' children about what their parents are going through?
1: Well, that's the other side of it uh, at the end of the day because, again, cancer now is a community disease. So now we go from family disease to community disease. So the the effect of the community around us uh, for people who mean well, uh, we also need to help uh, educate uh, those individuals that are supporting our families and supporting us so that they also can properly respond and, and give information correctly and adequately to children of friends that has cancer as well.
0: Yeah, we have to be careful what we say and be in concert with parents and their wishes, don't we? And and
1: have a game plan. I think what would be helpful is to sit down and probably uh, meet and, and agree with the parent what to share, when to share it, and how to share it.
0: Speaking of sharing, you shared a scripture verse with us to open the program today. Can we
1: go back to that for a moment? Absolutely. Uh, our spiritual nugget of the day, again, is Matthew 19, verse number 14, and it says, But Jesus said, Suffer little children and forbid them not to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And of course, the context of this scripture is that the disciples basically were shooing away the children from Jesus as they came to him. And in some cases, how often do we do that unconsciously in our world around certain subject matter? Yeah, kids are inquisitive. They want to know, they're asking questions, they're looking to us. And in some cases, are we pushing them away? Are we shooing them away? Jesus encourages us not to forbid them to come unto us, but to embrace them and to understand them and ultimately to bless them with wisdom, knowledge, love, and nurturing that'll help them work through the process of whatever it is that they're going through. So we need to be encouraged today to take better care of our children and to respond to them more appropriately.
0: Well, you've chosen a great topic to address today, children whose parents have cancer. I know this has helped me and I know it's helped a lot of listeners here today. So Percy, thank you.
1: You're welcome and again, we're here to provide health, hope, and inspiration, Wayne.
0: That's right, we are. And that's our website, health, hope, and inspiration.com. If you have further questions, you can always call us at Cancer Treatment Centers of America. Our toll free number is 855 929 HOPE, 855 929 4673. And one more reminder those resources that our guests mentioned today are also on the website, health, hope, and inspiration.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time for Health hope, and inspiration. Health, Hope, and Inspiration is produced and sponsored by Cancer Treatment Centers of America.
2: If you or someone you love is fighting cancer, consider Cancer Treatment Centers of America. We treat the whole person, body, mind, and spirit. Our hospitals in Atlanta, Chicago, Philadelphia, Phoenix, and Tulsa take an integrative approach to cancer care. We use conventional medical treatments to attack the disease. Evidence-based therapies like nutrition, naturopathic medicine, and pastoral care to maintain strength and quality of life treatments are tailored for each patient's specific needs. Visit healthhopeandinspiration.com to view our cancer-related resources or to contact our oncology information specialists about questions you may have about your treatment options. Working together under one roof, our cancer experts use leading-edge technologies to deliver precision medicine, personalized care, and spiritual support. Learn more at healthhopeandinspiration.com.
3: Cancer Treatment Centers of America, care that never quits.